Welcome to Morning Coffee and Mimosas. I'm Christina. And I'm Joe. We are a father-daughter duo. We come here Sunday mornings, but you can come here anytime you please. We banter about life, about business, and we do it over coffee and mimosas. Good morning. Good morning, Fosh. Here we are again. Off camera. Yes. Oh, it's such a nice, it's so nice to not have to worry about what I look like. Get to be the little dumpster fire (laughs) that I want to be on a weekend. It's much more relaxing. (laughs) It is much more relaxing. Yeah. Podcasting has benefits. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like radio. It's nice. Yeah. It's good. I think that's kind of why we did a podcast and not a YouTube channel first. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can keep this YouTube thing going from time to time, but... I really like being behind the mic. There you go. That's where it's you much, are now. Much nicer than, much, much comfier than in front of the don't camera. Don't build it up so much so that when we, you know, move over and do both more frequently, then, you know. Easy now. I know. So, I have something to tell you today. You do? Cause, yeah, because this past... Uh, Is it a secret? It's a secret. But, well, no, it's not a secret. I'm going to tell everybody. But, uh... There's a festival in our town called Wayne Day, because we live in Wayne, so it's Wayne Day, and I run the festival, myself, Parks and Recreation, and we run the festival, and it's a, it's a wonderful day. But very interesting this year, because it was always in June, but because of COVID, we moved it to September, and we have never had it after 30, you know, it's been 30 years, and we've never had it in September. So I was sending out the emails to booth people. So basically, Wayne Day has about 100 plus booths of community groups and companies that pay to have a spot there. And they have to do a like a fun activity for kids or for some targeted group in the town. And then we have rides and music and all kinds of stuff that happens and food. So it's a very fun event. And the event is free for everybody to come. So knowing that... Just know- listeners, this is not an advertisement no. for Wayne Day, though no. you may be wondering why we're advertising it now, even though the day has passed. Well, correct. But you really a missed the mark here, Dad. You could there's have told people reason. about this last week. I should have. But there's a reason I'm telling you the story, because I send out emails and so on, and people sign up for the boots. And this year, it was... Like by the end of August, we were down over 50% in booths. Ouch. Yes. I was very nervous and didn't know what was going on. And we're thinking, oh, it's going to be a much smaller event and all that. Labor Day came and it was almost like the week after Labor Day, everybody woke up and we filled up with boots. And the reason I'm bringing that up is in you're in sales. And so in sales, in life, in business, looking for a job or whatever, there are the people like using Wayne Day as an example, I'm looking to get you to sign up for a booth, but during July and August, you weren't biting, right? People weren't biting. How do you know as a salesperson or a job seeker, how do you know when you're pursuing that to tell the difference between people don't want to do business with you or the time isn't right. I like it, Dad. Good. 
Now answer the question. No, so people just, <laughs> the time wasn't right for Wayne Day. It's a good thing no. you didn't do it in June. No. The you time, would have really the, missed the mark then. The time was wonderful. It. I just had to wait for after September 6th when Labor Day came. You follow people It would have been vacation. unfortunate if you had run it in June, if people were only ready in <laughs> September. <laughs> but the whole point was, if we gave up and Decided made it much smaller cancel. or cancel or something, it would have been a big mistake. Have you ever had to cancel Wayne Day? Never. Well, yes, we did last year with COVID. Oh, uh, well, yeah. well, that's a blip in the radar, right? Right. So you started Wayne Day when you were, what, 30-something? It was 31 years ago or so, yeah. So you were 30-something? Mm-hmm. Like your take? age. Your okay. age. Yeah. And you're still doing it. Yeah. After all these years. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, but that's why you can Good tell. Good for Wayne. Thank you. But you could see why I was worried because we usually get Still got people. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looked like a wonderful, wonderful day. I unfortunately missed it because mm -hmm. um, the wineries of Long Island were calling my name. Mm -hmm. But um, I will be there next year for sure. Okay, good. So anyway, uh, listeners, I think what topic were we going to talk about, Dad? <laughs> you are in business development. So anyway, listeners, I think we are going to segue from that into what is the law of attraction in business? I certainly don't want to sit here, Dad, with you and talk about the law of attraction in life. Cause no, that, I'm not doing that. I'm talking about... <laughs> that could get awkward. <laughs> I don't really want your, to hear about your experience in that department. But um, I think it's a good topic because sometimes, and it doesn't have to be in sales, but in business in general, and whether you're looking for a job, whether you're looking for a house, you know, just mm -hmm. knowing when is something going to happen and when is it a pipe dream? Right. I wanted to focus on the fact of how do you read or know, right. you know, the other party. So the other party may tell you, call me in a week, call me next week, call me in two weeks. Well, and I think it's a great topic because so often our most precious resource is time. Mm -hmm. And every minute that you spend working towards or spend time on somebody that nothing is going to happen with is a minute you can't spend either finding somebody that does want to work with you or does want to hire you etc. Right. So how do you read the signs so that you know when is it time to just call it quits? When is it time to exit the pursuit and then move on and focus on something that might happen for you? Right. So in your experience, just, you know, you do this with your teams. So if I worked for you and I'm telling you whatever I'm telling you, what are you asking me as your direct report? to help me gauge whether the prospect I'm chasing is wasting my time, is not ready at this time, but will be ready in the future, or is almost ready to do something? What are some of the clues that you look for? Well, I would say that one of the questions I always ask, and a lot of this comes in when we have RFPs, right? Mm -hmm. And for, you know, I use that term we probably should go back to the jargon episode and say requests for proposal. There you go. Which is for anybody that's not spending a significant amount of time in business. Um, because I know we have listeners from all different walks of life. 
it's basically a generic proposal that they might, you know, a company or a business might send out to a handful of different people. Maybe they send it to three, they could send it to 20 different potential vendors or partners and basically ask them to send a laundry list of, you know, could be hundreds of questions about what your company is about, your, you know, financial strength, everything, pricing, you name it. So oftentimes when we get things like that, the first questions that, you know, we started vetting the engagements because we were spending so much time on these proposals that generally like 1% of the time you, you win something, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it was because these people are just testing the market or they were going out to get pricing that they could then bring back to their current provider and, and just pay less. So some of the first questions we ask are, you know, what is the relationship? What is the compelling event? So what does that tell you? That tells you, is there communication back and forth? So when I'm thinking about, is somebody serious and is somebody going to buy from us? Are they communicating back and forth and not just generic communication? Are they sharing kind of like what lives beneath the surface with you? Or are they telling you all the things that you can find in the RFP or on the internet. And if that's the case, then they're giving you nuggets because they need you to stay engaged, but they may not necessarily really be serious about considering you. All right, that's very good. Okay, so you're looking for the real human interaction, like is somebody really behind this and that they're engaged or is it you know completely automated or something like that or just feeding you stuff that was on page 300 of the RFP or well, something? Well, like there's other things too. But when I'm thinking about, like, you're asking about the human side of this, right? Mm-hmm. You're asking about, like, how do you read the signs from another person that either this is real or, you know, correct. I need you as a, as a you, piece in my process. Correct. But you brought up, I mean, RFPs are a fact of life. And very often, and I know myself, I never, because of the nature of my business, I never responded to an RFP. I found most often that an RFP was actually written by the vendor they want to choose so that it tailors to that vendor. Right. And it would be jumping through hoops for you to be cost effective in that. So RFPs are like a separate animal and you have to, like you said, pick and choose which ones you're going to actually do. Right. And my point in using that as an example is just to say that's oftentimes when these conversations come about. Everybody gets excited about, oh, I just got this proposal from so-and-so, or they've been, let's call it courting them for several months. And after several months of, you know, Joe calling on his customer and, you know, saying, hey, you want to have lunch? Or I sent you a gift card or, you know, uh, let's talk. Here's a brochure. And after months and months of that, all of a sudden, Mr. Customer responds for the first time and kicks Joe a, hi, Joe, thanks for your note. Uh, we're releasing an RFP next month. We'll make sure, would you like to be included? Well, of course, yes. This is like you're right. in, so right? So really, really, you just got included in something that was basically a dragnet out on the ocean to yeah. pull in vendors. But so many times people fi- finally feel good because they mm-hmm. got a response, right? And it's like, oh, no, now the timing is right. Right. You know, all my, my uh, you know, follow-up. And sometimes, sometimes that happens, right? But I think it's the other buying signs and the human connection signs and the, you know, 
what else are you seeing in the communications to know whether or not there's something real there? Right. And, and that could, I mean, it could start from engagements around, okay, now let's vet this, but a couple of things. So if I'm, if I'm thinking about, um, relationships, right. I'm always looking for, is there two way communication? So are they asking questions and are they, are they curious if they're not curious and they're just answering, you know, pretty baseline, it's probably them working through a process and not them interested. If you're in person, right? Or on camera, what does the body language tell you? Are they interested in getting to know you or, you know, are they cordial and just, you know, kind of like rolling through the motions? Right. One of the biggest things I think is, and I think I like to correlate this to dating, right? So if you're dating somebody and they always invite you over, but they never invite you to a party, that probably means they're not serious about something mm-hmm. long-term with you, right? So same thing <laughs> goes... free on Wednesday night, not Saturday night. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think the same thing goes in like a business setting. So if you're talking with somebody consistently and they're keeping you with them and they never introduce you to anybody else at the organization, the likelihood is that they're, you know, they're trying to keep you in a box for a reason. Right. But if they're serious about you, they're probably going to elevate you and they're probably going to start, you know, introducing you to other people at the organization because they know as well as you know, in order to make um, something happen, especially if it's a complex sale or a complex program, you need to be connected at multiple areas of an organization. Well, well you're right, because they, they have to bring in the talent that can help vet the situation, right? So if, if you're just dealing with me, no matter what the level, but I haven't brought in my programmers or I haven't brought in the marketing people or, or the systems people, and if all of those are relevant to this, then it's kind of like, really, you're answering, you're going to answer all those questions? Right. Right. That's a good point. So I don't know. I think that's one of the most important things. Like, are, are you getting exposure? <laughs> mm-hmm. And do you know how a decision is made? Are they forthcoming with information? Yeah. Have they answered? Right. If you ask questions about what's the next step, what's your decision making process or whatever, and if they blow you off and don't really give you much on that, that's a red flag. But on the other side, and I, I see it with myself and how I operate, if I am serious, doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to choose you, but if it's you and two others, I'll be open and say, here's what has to happen. We're going to go through this in a couple of weeks. We're going to have you know this happen and so on. So at least you know the playing field and you know what's happening. Right. And the other thing, you know, you asked before when it's when it's my team, there's questions that I ask, who else are they talking to? What are the mm-hmm. you know, what is the competitive landscape? And oftentimes when the answer is they weren't, uh, oh, you know, they they were really forthcoming. We had a great conversation. They were very nice. We made, you know, a really great, quick connection. And then I asked that question, right? Oh, well, they, you know, they, they weren't comfortable sharing that. The second I hear that, I actually, I can't think of any sale I ever made with somebody that wasn't willing to share who else they mm-hmm. were looking at. That's good. Yeah. Have you? No. No, because there's, in whatever problem you're trying to solve, in whatever industry you're looking for, there are key players. They, they know who the competition is. You know who the competition is. But if they're not sharing that, 
What's the big secret? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, or when you say, well, oh, how many people are, you know, we, um, I'm not comfortable sharing it. The second somebody says, I'm not comfortable sharing that. I'm like, I'm on the outside. Mm-hmm. And if I'm on the outside, I'm not really doing much here. Right. Okay. So that's a great clue. That's an excellent clue. Yeah. What about, what about this? <laughs> and I'm asking this from my own vantage point. What if you can no longer get the person on the phone? Ghosted. Nothing's right. going to happen. Either that or they're no longer at the company anymore. <laughs> I mean, right. but somebody's assuming fallen. You, you hear their assuming voicemail. the person yeah. hasn't fallen ill or left the company. Again, that goes back to two-way communication. If you're reaching out and you're not getting responses back, it's done. Mm-hmm. Walk away. Right. But, but isn't it true? Probably you, well, I'm not going to say you did this early in your career, but you may have it earlier because I know I did the same thing. And probably you have to coach your people. It's very hard to stop because I know early in my career, I did not know when to stop. And I would just keep sending emails, keep calling, keep sending. That's how you ended up with mom, though. (laughs) (laughs) Very persistent. Exactly. Am I I wrong? No. No, you're right. But it, but seriously, you do that for a while. Like you know, I think uh, um, what I do in that case is put them, you know, in a follow up sequence that is much longer. You know, so maybe in in a month I might reach out, send an email, try to make a phone call. Then it might go to two months or something. But after a while, you just drop the, you just but let I think it go. It's an opportunity to communicate and be real. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a perfect time to come out and just tell the person, like, listen, you know, it's obvious that, you know, either this is no longer a priority or you're not seeing the fit here. Mm -hmm. So either we can talk about what may be missing or, you know, I'll plan to follow up with you in two years when your next contract is up and see if anything's changed. Right. You know, I mean, I I think sometimes people don't want to hear no. And it's like no is such a wonderful word maybe freaking sucks because maybe means like we're in this just like limbo forever you know where it's like yeah, but at least no it's uh, okay I move on and you have other other fish to go after right get yeah. to know fast mm-hmm. wouldn't you rather hear no and then be like okay well i know where i stand right and uh, you know buyers they need you just like you need them because if a buyer doesn't have anybody interested in selling to them then they don't have three companies to bid against each other Mm -hmm. they don't have you know so i mean there's a certain a certain level of like everybody's kind of playing each other a little bit because they need to keep you on the hook well and you need to keep a pipeline well i'm going to bring something out here if your company is really really good in your industry and you have an rfp that you receive it's not out of the question to simply say that we're not replying to the RFP, but if you would like to entertain business with us, because that's happened also. Well, we, we do that often where we'll say we have decided not to engage in RFPs or this RFP or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say we vet it and we find out there's 10 companies and whatever. There's right. a, re- you know, a reverse auction at the end. It's like, goodbye. But the strategic withdrawal is perfect to use there, Mm -hmm. right? Where you send, this is how we approach situations like this. If you're willing to think about this differently, then we'd really like to have a conversation. And here are some of the, you know, outcomes that we've delivered 
taking yeah. a similar approach for other brands like you. Right. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes people are just, you know, it kind of goes back to that law of attraction and early in your career. And I think when people lack, it's not even early in your career, when you, when you lack confidence, mm -hmm. I think other people can tell. Right. And when you, you know, when you're not confident, you're going to cling to any opportunity and anything that somebody gives you that, that seems like an open door. And maybe it's a matter of, you know, filling your pipeline and feeling like there's stuff going on. But I think the people that are really successful, you quickly see they're the people that spend less time on RFPs and only engage in that kind of endeavor when they've got some kind of an inside track. Correct. Because uh, now, obviously, we're being very general. There are consulting, you know, your business, you mold your solutions to, to what the problems are for your clients. Uh, obviously, if I'm selling a widget that is manufactured and I have 3,000 of them on a shelf, you know, you, you want to take them and this is the price, you know, that's relatively easy. But when you opt out and, and you say, we're opting out because we feel that we can better meet your needs, but the RFP is not structured in that way, in that way, you know, that's, that's golden. And, yeah. and that's where you really want to be. And anyone listening thinking, well, you know, I'm not in that business and I don't do that. Well, job hunting, you are a consultant figuring out how to match your credentials and your experience and your personality to the problem that a, an employer has, which is they need to fill, you know, that role. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so. I think a lot of it is I like this topic idea because it's, you know, you go back to people are buying from people. Mm -hmm. So naturally people are going to buy from people that I'm going to use the word attracted to not, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't mean that in like no, a no, professionally, I mean yeah. it in a, you know, like people that have a magnetism that says this person is presenting something to me that, that I can picture. So whether it's my program, whatever, I want to picture the future that this person is presenting to me. Right. And maybe it's, you know, it, it could just be like, you know, the confidence in your product. It could be the level of comfortability that they have with you and, you know, ease that they feel like they're in good hands. Well, and I'm going to say one last thing on this topic, to your point, that buyer who is charged with, and whoever that is, that executive that's charged with getting the solution you have to make them look good. You you know, people have lost jobs over bad vendor relationships. You're 100% right. So how can I make you as the seeker of a solution? How can I make you get a promotion? How can I make you safe in your job? How can I make you be the hero? Yeah. And I think it's the same as when you're looking for a partner in life or friendships, right? Mm -hmm. What are the people that make you better? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like I think about like when you're growing up and your parents tell you, I don't like the crowd you're hanging around, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's true. Right? You surround yourself with people that um, that create the right. environment that you're looking to have and that fosters a positive outcome. Right. That's why this is a great topic to follow what we talked about last week with Martina on professional relationships, because yeah. that relationships help foster the growth of both parties both parties do better and when you are a seller and i think about you as a buyer and how and i want to convey to you 
that I can enhance your career or make you solid in your career and so on and build that trust, not, not fake, but build that trust. That's, that's golden. That that's where we want to be. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the, the big takeaway is think about your relationships when you're selling or, you know, your business relationships, think about that chemistry and think mm -hmm. about, do you feel a connection? Like, I mean, that stuff is real, right? Like, you know, do you want to go and have lunch with this person? Or is it like, people aren't going to buy from somebody that, that, oh, you can't really choose exactly who you work with, but you can choose the people that you, you know, surround yourself with from a vendor perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So you're probably, if, if you're like, oh, I'm going to have to deal with this person often, you're going to choose a partner that you have a chemistry with. Right. And right. that you can relate to. So as a seller, whether you're, you know, selling yourself in an interview or, you know, selling a product, look at body language, gauge eye contact, see how curious the person on the other side of the phone or the desk is about you and about your product. And are they bringing you around their friends? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, are they, oh, no, right. are they introducing yeah. you to other people? Are they, you know, introducing you to their boss? You know, how do they speak well, about it, you when right. they introduce you? If that's all positive. They're seeing that you're going to enhance their, their profession, their job, their, you right. know, solution and so on. And Very if, good. And if none of that is there, then I'm going to leave it to my good friend, Kenny Rogers to, uh, <laughs> awesome. I don't know. How do I turn this off now? <laughs> that was By good. the way, there that is a perfect. lot of preamble in that song. I didn't realize, you know, as we were How talking. How many verses there were before yeah. it got to that? Yeah. yeah, I had to play that for a while. I was like, yeah. wow, when does Kenny Rogers get to the damn point? Yeah, well, he got to it there. Thanks but to yeah. you. Yeah. You got to know when good. to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away. But I think that's the, the big takeaway is mm -hmm. like cut Very bait, good. you know? No, no is a good thing and cut bait quickly. Great job. Thank you. You know, you didn't really bring anything else. This was all my ideas. You've had a lot more years of, uh, no, I was flipping the, I'm interviewing you this time. That's why. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. I thought the whole point of this was I get to, you know, take advantage of, of no, we your, need, need your brain. All right. At least this time. Okie dokie. <laughs> all right. Wherever you are, whatever your story, thanks for spending time with us this morning. Now, go and make a difference in your world. So you did a very good job, Christina. Thank you. Well, thanks, Fosh. We'll work on your, you know, you trying to build your likability over time, too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Bye, Bye. everybody.